Sabres in this game came out extremely strong at the beginning. The implosion started in the second period. It started to panic a little more. They still have to figure out a way to play 60 minutes. After a 7-3 win over the Sens, the Flames fired Jeff Ward and replaced him with Daryl Sutter. This team has as good an opportunity as anybody to make the playoffs. We will do everything in our power to make that happen. Brantford, Ontario, that's the home of Wayne Gretzky, of course, in the news this week. Wayne lost his father, Walter. How much did Walter, Wayne, the Gretzky family, and their rank mean to that community? It, it meant everything, and it was just fabulous the way that Walter shared the game with everyone. I think everybody's got a great memory of Walter Gretzky. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. Representing Harvard University, we have Dominic Moore. Representing the Harvard of the Midwest, Western Michigan's own Keith Jones. Guys, good to see you. I'm Liam McHugh. It's good to have you. We were together yesterday for Hockey Day in America. I always love celebrating it with a couple of Canadians. That's tradition, really, for us. Uh, four games across our networks. Pretty interesting ones. You had the Islanders taking care of business against the Sabres. They've won every single matchup against the Sabres this year. Lightning defeat the Blackhawks. They were down 3 nothing. They scored the final six goals of that game, when it's 6-3. to three. The only upsets during these four games for us, the Devils, they defeat the Bruins 1-0, and then it was the Pens over the Rangers 5-1. to So, Jonesy, I'll start with you. Biggest takeaway from our games yesterday? I thought the Tampa game was really interesting with the Blackhawks being up 3-0. It was the end of a three-game series between those teams, and Chicago hung with them. I mean, they, the Blackhawks did a lot of really good things throughout the three-game series. It was interesting that uh, within those three games, the team that got up by 2 nothing lost all of them, yeah. including the last one. But I, I, I thought Tampa showed a lot of resiliency. I thought they got a lot out of their depth players and showed that they truly are the deepest team in the league, winning yet again without their top player in Nikita Kucherov. They uh, continue to be impressive and scoring six consecutive goals on the road against the Hawks team that's been shutting teams down for much of the season was really impressive to me. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that game too, actually. And, uh, you know, Lankinen made some incredible saves. He, you know, obviously Tampa put up six goals, but the power play got clicking and they had a lot of quality opportunities. Um, the one thing that is jumping out for me with Tampa is – you know, as, as well as the Hawks are playing, you know, they're, they're still not, to me, a contending team. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about Tampa where they're playing a lot of games where they're getting away with, with victories. You know, they, they're not going to get that many power plays, you know, in May and, and June, you know. And so I worry about the tests that they're having throughout the season, whether because, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And when you play these tough playoff style grinding games during the regular season that's how you learn how to you know stay disciplined that's how you learn these little things that allow you to win win playoff games later in the year and I'm not sure they're being tested enough it obviously was a great sign as Jonesy was saying the way they came back and found ways to win yesterday and and then the other game in that three game set but um 
You know, you look at a team like the Islanders who are playing playoff hockey now in a very competitive division. That's a totally different animal. Necessity is the mother of invention. Is that what you said? We don't get that from Western Michigan's Keith Jones. <laughs> it's the uh, father of invention at Western Michigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, we talked about the Islanders a lot yesterday, and I think we'd all agree with Dominic that uh, this team is playing playoff hockey. They, they're just a tough team to play against, and now they're scoring goals. The question I have is about the Penguins. Do either one of you have a real feel for what this team is and how tough they might be? I mean, we're not, I'm not even sure they're – they're a playoff team. Obviously, the division's so tough, but there are moments where they look excellent, Jonesy. Yeah, and I watched some of those moments over the three-game set that they had with the Flyers as well. And one of the things that stood out to me probably more than anything was Malkin starting to get his game going and not just starting. It's there. And that's not great news for the rest of the division because it is a five-team race for four spots. Uh, they're right there with the Flyers. They took two out of three against the Flyers and looked like they're gaining a lot of traction right now. So they're, they are a dangerous team. I would not want to face them when the playoffs roll around. I think they learned some harsh lessons last year and their defeat against Montreal. Brian Dumoulin is now healthy and back in their lineup. That's a game changer on the back end. And looks like uh, Kasperi Kapanen starting to get himself in playing shape. It looked like he arrived in camp and remarkably not ready to go, but he's going now. And he's a very capable player that kind of slots in nicely on their second line playing with Malkin. So the balance is starting to be there. And I think that's what's going to be scary about this Penguins team as things move along. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's well said on many fronts there. And, and for me, the, you know, the Flyers are a team where I had high expectations, Jonesy, for them this year. I, I thought they were just going to take it to the next step this year. And I keep, I keep expecting them to take off. And, you know, they take a few steps and then they fall back a little bit. I don't know what the reasons are for that, but they're a team that I was expecting just to kind of become a juggernaut the more the season went on and they haven't found that. And then the Penguins are, are the opposite for me. I keep expecting them to fall off and just, you know, start to trail off and, and go down in the standings. But right when I do that, they win the next game. They always seem to win the next game when you're like, okay, this is the nail in the coffin, and then they win the next one. And, I, you know, I still don't think that gets them in the playoffs at the end of the day because you, you've, you've got to put together kind of long stretches of winning streaks, you know, six, seven games, and you can't just keep going through, you know, you lose two, you win two. That's not going to get it done. Um, and for me, the Rangers are in a similar boat where, you know, they, they won four out of five and then they lose the next one. And then they're back into this kind of win one, lose one. So it'll be interesting to see the way this all plays out. Yeah, the Pens are such a, a strange and unpredictable team, right? Uh, you know, they didn't have Sidney Crosby because he was on the COVID-19 list. And that game they go out and they win. The fantastic Crosby returns the first game back. They lose. Uh, they're, they're hard exactly. to get a read on. I think the one thing that's clear, and you guys both alluded to it, is the fact that in this East division, there's going to be one team that is a very good team, that is a dangerous team, that just misses out on the playoffs. Now, down at the bottom of that division is where we find the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, I went to school in Buffalo. I, when they don't have guests up there for radio shows, they call on me and they ask me, you know, what do you think of the Sabres? You know, do you think this is a year that they're going to be better? And, I'm trying to make them feel good about themselves. But I would say that, yeah, I thought they'd be a better team this year, but I thought they'd miss the playoffs. 
I was right about one, wrong about the other. They're definitely going to miss the playoffs. They're not a better team. They are a worse team. They are the worst team in the NHL, although you wouldn't say they have the worst roster in the NHL. You have rumors about Jack Eichel being moved. You have rumors about Ralph Kruger being on the hot seat. Dom, I'll start with you. Where do mm-hmm. the Sabres go from here? Boy, that's a heck of a question. Um, uh, to me, I'm in the corner of defending these players that have been struggling for the Sabres. Jack Eichel is one of the best players in the league, hands down. There's very few guys that can just put a game on their shoulders the way he can. And I think he's a unique talent. And you don't trade a guy like Jack Eichel to shake things up. Um, so, yes, I'm sure their phone is ringing because GMs are, you know, they're predators. They know there's sharks in the water, right? They, they know when a team is struggling that they might be looking to make a change and they, putting those feelers out. But for me, you don't move a guy like Jack Eichel unless it's a phenomenal return coming back. Uh, Skinner. Skinner is one that has just been confusing for me. And, and this is where you bring in the Kruger question. Skinner's a guy that wanted to be in Buffalo and committed long-term. He's excited to be in that community and play for that team. And he's got a tremendous track record of consistently scoring goals in the National Hockey League. And yet this season, he, start, he starts the season on the fourth line playing limited minutes. It's not like he came in was not producing for five, six, ten games, and then got bumped down. He started the season on the fourth line. And, yeah, he might have been struggling to find his game, but these players are often jonesy. You know, they they become a product of their environment. And he's probably questioning his confidence after a few games, and it just spirals down from there. So, to me, Skinner still is a phenomenal player, and he needs to be put back in the right position to succeed. And – you know, Jonesy, we broke down that that, goal, that Taylor Hall when he tripped over the blue line on the breakaway yesterday, and that summed up the, the Sabres season where they're defending for a minute straight in their zone. Well, of course, nobody's going to have energy to play offense after that, and that's why they're last in the league in five-on-five goals. Yeah, and Ralph Kruger's the guy that's there to supply the answers to those questions, and you're right, it was a tricky question right now because of the expectations of the Sabres. And I would agree with Lee. You know, I thought this would be a year where they challenged for a playoff spot. I thought that they had addressed some of their needs. Um, You would think that Rasmus Dahlin would be progressing to the point of his career where he started to be able to take over games as a former first overall pick. Defensemen take a few years longer in some cases, but he's not there yet. And you're thinking he's going to start to play to where he was projected to play at. So then you start to ask yourself the question, why? And when I listen to Ralph Kruger and some of his post-game press conferences, it's a lot of the same answers that aren't really leaving me satisfied after I listen to him, that he's got the, you know, the, the wherewithal to, to see this through and get this team on track playing the way it's capable of playing. Um, the Skinner thing's a mystery to me as well. You've got a player making $9 million a year. It's your job as the coach to, to make that piece fit. And the opportunity was not there at the start of the year uh, for whatever reason, probably based on some of the things that Ralph Kruger saw last year from Jeff Skinner. You don't come into a season without, I guess, having some expectations as a head coach and, and maybe some disappointments from the previous year. But if you don't fix that, you're not moving him. He's there. So there's a great chance that he's going to be there a lot longer than you are, or you're going to be paying him like he's there, even if he's not, because you're not going to be able to trade him. 
So I, I think a lot of it falls on that. I think the passion has come out of their team again. And they have been a remarkably streaky team over the last four or five years. You think back to a couple seasons ago, they had a 10 or 11 game winning streak, looked like they had everything figured out and then dropped like eight or 10 in a row and fell right out of the playoff picture. That's happened too often. Uh, they have 15 players, I believe, on expiring contracts this year. That's a mess. And changing the GM multiple times does not seem to be the answer for the Sabres. So uh, I would say the problems are way bigger than fix them this year and let's go on to next season and get things going. No, they've got a whole lot of things they got to fix. And for me, it would start with the head coach because he doesn't seem like he's doing a very good job of finding ways to get this team on the, the winning side of the ledger. But, Jonesy, just quickly, would you agree with Dom that there's no way you're even entertaining the thought of moving Jack Eichel? Personally, I would not. I, I, your job there with that organization is to make him happy. Uh, you'd love to see the player take onus of that and be, you know, become the type of player that makes everyone great. You look at Connor McDavid in Edmonton, he's got Leon Dreisaitl, and there's still been some thin years of winning there and some frustration. But rarely do you see frustration on McDavid's face when he's playing the game. And Eichel is showing a lot of that. When you put the microscope on him and you watch him at the end of a shift, you can, the body language is not good. And that uh, is something the entire team feels. And everyone knows there in Buffalo, if Jack's not happy, the team's not happy because he is that important to their franchise. Yeah, the one thing I would add on that is that Eichel, he, you know, he's been in the league. This is his sixth year. He's had three different coaches, as Jonesy alluded to, multiple GMs. And, you know, that's not an easy environment, that kind of instability for a young player. Um, you know, on the positive side, though, you look at a team like the Islanders, who were in a similar boat to Buffalo with a lot of instability in the organization. They got a new ownership group in. The ownership group brought in Lou Lamorello. Talk about a way to, to add stability to a team. And then they bring in arguably the best coach in the league in Barry Trotz, and the rest is history. So there's hope for the Sabres. Um, but as Jonesy said, these are big picture, big picture ideas that we have to navigate through. That's also a team, though, that at the time had a franchise player in John Tavares, who's no longer a part of that franchise. Now, they didn't trade him. They probably should have. But uh, mm -hmm. they parted ways with him. And you know, they, he, he winds up leaving for Toronto. And I'm not saying that that's the solution in Buffalo, but you wonder if it's just a loaded up type situation. It's, it's managerial in a lot of ways, Liam. If you look at the Leafs, the big reason why they're a very good team right now is the fact that Lou Lamarillo stopped by for a visit. And he, he fixed <laughs> a lot of the things that were happening, uh, heading in the wrong direction with that organization, turned them around before leaving for the New York Islanders. And, Lo and behold, the Islanders are a much better team, one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League, and his fingerprints are all over it because he recognizes on the type of players you need to keep and the ones that you can't, you let them go and you find different guys to replace them. He's done a remarkable job throughout his career in doing that. And you also get a bench boss that Dom talked about as one of the elite coaches in the National Hockey League that has the respect of the players, but also has a consistency to his approach. And that shows in the way his teams play. Structure is huge. The Islanders are one of the teams that demonstrates that on a nightly basis. 
And I think a lot of it has to do with the guys that are in charge. Their players deserve a ton of credit for listening and, and playing to their proper skill set. But the, the management and the coaching staff has a lot to do with their success. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Sabres right now riding the longest playoff drought in the NHL. Looks like that's going to be extended. Ralph Kruger's on the hot seat, a team that already did make a change. Last week, the Calgary Flames, they fired Jeff Ward, and here comes Daryl Sutter. Back in the NHL, of course, it was the Flames coach, 2002 to 2006. This is a guy who guided the Kings to two Stanley Cups. He went to the Stanley Cup final with the Flames back in 2004. Jonesy, I'm going to start with you because early in the season, we are talking about that North Division, and we had Toronto up there, but you really liked the Flames. Really thought this Flames was a team that could emerge from that division, possibly even win that division, but they'd be right near the top. They've been disappointing. Is Sutter the guy that can spark this team? Absolutely. And there's enough pieces there to get things corrected in a hurry. I love the fact they picked up Markstrom, who we watched play you know, some miraculous goal last year for Vancouver and beating out the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. So they picked up Chris Tanev from Vancouver as well, a very solid top pairing defensive defenseman that can play huge minutes on the back end. They kept the nucleus of the team and there's enough talent from guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan and Lindholm that, uh, can create enough offense and they have a peskiness to their team with guys like Matthew Kachuk. Uh, They've got Milan Lucic still there and showed last year in the playoffs that he still had something left in the tank. Mm -hmm. They have Sam Bennett. I mean, this is a team that is built for Daryl Sutter. Sutter, there's enough toughness there and there's enough grit that they can find a way to start to play up to their capabilities. I think they turn it around. It's going to be real tight to see if they make the playoffs or not, but he is the type of coach that can do it. You have to respect the way that he manages the bench. He makes sure he pushes the players to the maximum, and he's going to be very demanding. The other, the other thing I'll just say at the end here, assistant coaches that have been really almost lifetime assistant coaches like Jeff Ward, they can come in short term and do really well, and he did that. But they've spent their 
really their entire coaching career being a buffer between the players and the head coach. And that only takes you so far. And if the players are familiar with you in that situation, it's really hard for them to buy in long-term on maybe some of the, you know, harsher tactics that you might try to use to get them going. I think that's what happened there in Calgary. And I think, I think they brought in a, the polar opposite and as far, as far as a head coach. And I think it's going to work. I, I think Calgary is going to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like if you don't beat Ottawa by enough goals, you're <laughs> you've got a good chance of getting fired in the near future. Um, it's happened now a couple times this season, and you know, it's it's just you know, I, I you look at Calgary. If they're going to make it, they're going to have to pass either Montreal or Edmonton. You know, I think Winnipeg is starting to find their game. I think they're going to stay up there in that second spot. Um, but you look at Montreal, Montreal has three games in hand and they're three points ahead of Calgary. That's not an easy task to try and make up ground. Obviously, it's a lot easier, though, this year when you, you're playing in that divisional format to make up ground. So I think that was the idea in Calgary is shuffle things up, get the motivation, light a fire under the team. Uh, Montreal did the same thing. Um, so it'll be, a, it'll be a, a race to the finish line here with all, with all those teams. Yeah, I think two things to take away. Anytime you play Ottawa, heightened awareness at this point. <laughs> you have to win those games. Don't give up a lot of goals to Ottawa or you're going to be feeling it. And Daryl Sutter, uh, Jonesy, I really thought the idea of the fit, right? Coach's personality with a certain team. This is a team that doesn't mind playing rough, getting in people's spaces. Sutter's going to fit. I can't wait for post-game interviews. Uh, Daryl Sutter's always been just a performance artist of those, but now you get Daryl Sutter plus Zoom. And add in technology, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just going to be tremendous. So win or lose, it doesn't matter. I get to watch Daryl Sutter converse with the media again. So that's always a win for me. Uh, let's, let's get back to the Lightning because yesterday the defending champs, down 3 nothing as we mentioned, they stormed back. They scored six straight. They beat the Blackhawks. We're going to take a look right now at the Central Division odds presented by our friends at PointsBet. Bolts, as would be expected, they are the favorite right now. Hurricanes right behind them there, which is what you would expect. And I think we would agree that that's their biggest challenge, although uh, obviously Florida's played very well. So how would you handicap? Do you look at these teams? Do you see Tampa Bay winning the division? Uh, or do you feel like it's a two or three team race at this point, Jonesy? I would go with Tampa winning the division, although I would agree with Dom. There has been some moments where they leave you looking for a little bit more. Um, John Cooper, I think, will be uh, pretty comfortable in pacing his team throughout this season based upon the success that they had last year in winning the Stanley Cup. The pressure's off in that regard. Uh, he can use his entire bench. But it's a reliable bench. Like it's, a, it's a team that I think has demonstrated that they can play uh, pretty consistently in the offensive zone based upon the leadership of Braden Point. Uh, I think that he just brings it. And I think he brings other players to a higher level. Sorelli was out there with him the last couple of games. Kalorn has done a really good job this year in extending his role. And it looks like he's enjoying the extended minutes and, and playing a lot in more uh, advantageous situations to score, including a lot more on the power play. Um, that makes me feel pretty good about their team. And any team that's got Hedman and McDonough on the back end, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. And spend, having Sergachev back there, another left-handed shooting defenseman, 
when they really need to buckle down, they're going to buckle down and they'll find a way to win that division. And I think there will be challenges, but uh, Tampa would be the team that I would pick. It seems like Vasilevsky is, has brought his game to just a whole other level, Jonesy, this year. It it's, doesn't even seem fair. Like, he, he, some of these games, is, like, there's no chance to get one by him. Like, he's, he's such a big body, and he's athletic, and he plays smart. It's just like, it, it seems like they're, you know, cooking with gas with him this year, you know, in a big way. And in terms of the other teams in the division, I – I keep waiting. Florida is another one of these teams where I keep waiting for them to kind of fall back to earth, but they just keep on going. Uh, I think, you know, I probably have to credit Joel Quenville for the job he's done there with, you could arguably say it's not a lineup that you would put up even against a team like Buffalo and say that it's as good as, as the lineup they have there. Um, but they keep going along and, I do think that Dallas is going to chip away and keep finding their way. They've got a lot of games in hand, a lot of setbacks early, um, you know, and, and Chicago, again, I'm, I, again, there's another team that I feel like they're going to, they're going to start to fall off. Young players are inconsistent uh, earlier in their careers and it takes time to build that consistency. And so that fourth spot, I think, you know, I'm looking at Dallas, I'm looking at, Columbus potentially being able to right the ship um, and you know we'll see how it goes for Chicago but it's going to come down to the wire you know uh, Dom I'm, I'm with you I'm tempted to pick Carolina to win the division but Vasilevsky to me is the edge Jones you just want to get your thoughts also on Dallas at this point do you see Dallas making a run do you see them making the playoffs and I guess if you do does that mean the Blackhawks are out yeah I would take Dallas ahead of them but it's close I mean, they are in a little bit of a hole, and a lot of it didn't have to do with anything they did. It's just the COVID uh, situation early on and then the ice storm. Uh, but what I like about them, Liam, is their defense. I think any blue line that's got Haskinen and Klingberg is going to cause a lot of problems for the opposition. Big reason why they went to the Stanley Cup final last year. They also have size, and I think that's a big part of it. I do think they miss Tyler Sagan. Uh, that's, you know, something that they're going to have to deal with for the, really the entire season, much like Tampa's doing without Nikita Kucherov. But their size, speed, and their blue line would make me feel comfortable that they're going to figure things out. And Hudobin has proven at least the last couple of seasons that he can get the job done. Uh, he's had some bumps this year, so I, I'd like to see him kind of smooth things out. And I think they're going to find their way and end up uh, eventually making the playoffs. All right, guys, time now for cold brew check fueled by Duncan. Yesterday, as I mentioned at the top, we celebrated Hockey Day in America. So the question's pretty simple and straightforward. Dom, I'll start with you. Who is the best American-born player of all time? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, for me, we, we've been talking about Patrick Kane a lot. And for me, he, he is the best American player of all time. And the reason for that, to me, is that – you. He's inspired a whole generation of American-born players. You guys like Austin Matthews now who are taking the league by storm and, and Jack Hughes, first overall pick. These guys grew up, you know, with, with Patrick Kane as their favorite player, wanting to emulate his moves, the way he played the game. Heck, Patrick Kane's my favorite player to watch, even during my career. And just what he's able to do with the puck, um, his style, his creativity – it is an inspiring thing, and I think that's, to me, his legacy. Um, and so hard to argue with that in a career that is not done. And, you know, this year especially might be his, 
you know, his greatest achievement in terms of you lose so many players uh, and he's still managing to make everyone around him better. Yeah, the, the other names that come to mind, Pat LaFontaine, although he had some concussion issues and that kind of slowed down his career. He was another guy that brought fans out of their, out of their seats with the playmaking ability that he possessed. The one guy that stands out to me and played against him for a long time was Chris Chelios. And he had a remarkable career and played, as we all know, till he was 47 in the NHL. So that's uh, a guy that won Stanley Cups and had a lot to do with the the, the cup championships that he was involved in. Uh, he could do everything. He was a tough player to play against. He had leadership qualities. He, you know, made other players better around him and did enough offensively that he stood out amongst his peers. So he would get uh, a lot of consideration for me. The other guy, Mike Madonna, yeah. the goal totals are there. Style of play was there, but it'd be tough to emulate because he was a, a unique player so fast with that size and the heavy shot and Stanley cup champion as well. Uh, he's, you can't talk U S born players without mentioning the impact that Mike Modano had as well, but Patrick Kane's the guy. He's, yeah. he's my guy as well. And very similar in the way he's built to Gretzky because he's a smaller player that yeah. just does remarkable things on the ice, not to the same level as Wayne, but uh, he is uh, in my eyes, the best American born player to play. 32 years old, 14th season, not slowing down. And that was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan this season. Be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. Guys, we're going to wrap things up with this. Uh, clearly, it was big news last week, especially up in Canada. Wayne Gretzky's father, Walter, passed away last week. Uh, Walter, an icon in the hockey world, especially up in Ontario, where both of you grew up. Jonesy? Brantford, Ontario, same hometown as Wayne Gretzky. What did Walter mean to you? Well, he meant a lot, Liam, and it's, I can tell a couple of stories about him. I, he was always at a golf course called Northridge, which is now named after Walter Gretzky. It is the Walter Gretzky golf course. That happened, I think, last year. And you would show up, and, you know, I would go there as a teenager and be just be looking for someone to play golf with, and he'd be there and go, hey, let's go. And you'd, you'd play around with Walter Gretzky, and it was like the biggest thrill to you as a kid. And he had no idea or acted like he had no idea how much it meant to you to smack the ball around with him, play 18 holes, and talk about everything, mostly hockey, but everything else that's related uh, in life. He, he wasn't just a father to Wayne and his other four kids. He was a real father figure to anybody from our hometown and represented – the NHL and his family with great class and pass that on to other people and other parents that were bringing up, you know, minor league hockey players in, in and around Brantford. He was like one of the boys and uh, we all enjoyed any, ch any chance that we had to spend some time in his company. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another Ontarian myself and growing up playing youth hockey in Ontario and, it just seemed like Walter Gretzky was always to be found at the rinks. You know, I, I remember being at various youth hockey tournaments and, and all of a sudden I'd see a crowd over in the corner up near the snack bar and uh, all the parents are watching the games. And it, it was Walter Gretzky that had walked in and he was there just to, you know, watch the kids and be with the community. And I think it was not lost on him how important uh, it was, you know, the role that he had, um, you know, being the most famous hockey dad and being a part of the community. And 
I don't think there's many kids, especially of a certain vintage uh, around my age that didn't see, didn't see Walter at a rink at some point or another during the course of their childhood. And that speaks to just the kind of person he was. And as Wayne said, the, the world would be a, a lot better place if there were more people like his dad. And I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, our condolences certainly go out to the Gretzky family, uh, you know, by all accounts, a wonderful father and a truly, truly special man. Uh, guys, listen, great chatting as always. This will do it. We'll do it again soon. Harvard, Harvard of the Midwest, Harvard of Western New York, all together. <laughs> love it. Love all it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time on Our Line Starts, Fueled by Duncan. Take care, everybody.